Grace, mercy, and peace be and abide with each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior, the one who loves us, the one who will never stop loving us. Amen. Love one another. We've actually heard uh, that phrase or direction from the time we were little children. In fact, maybe many of you heard it uh, from your parents saying something to you like, now tell your Grammy you love her. Or maybe in my case, where me and my siblings would uh, find ourselves fighting at times and mom might say, now tell Stephen you love him. <laughs> With all that feeling. <laughs> but that's not the only place that we've been told to love one another. Most importantly, we have heard it and we have known it since we have come to faith. We have Jesus who has instructed his people throughout his ministry to love your neighbor as yourself. We have Jesus even telling us to love our enemies. And I have a very clear sense that the disciples, those who were following Jesus, often did not get it. Because again, we have in our reading today where he says, I give you a new command. And it's like, what? Haven't we heard this before? Love one another. But it was kind of like my parents telling us more than once, love one another. Because we need to be reminded, love one another. It is what we have been instructed in. It's what the scriptures have revealed to us from the very beginning of our journey of faith as Christ followers. Jesus' people love. Jesus' people just don't go to church. Jesus' people just don't do church things. Jesus' people just don't say, you know, well, I'm a Christian. Followers of Jesus love others. They love all those who are around them. Now that word that I just slipped in there might cause each of us to have a, a little hesitation. Love all people? All. Followers of Jesus love those around them. And it's not easy, is it? Because those who are around you, they may have hurt you, they may have attacked you, they may think totally different than you, they may be themselves different than you, they may be of another religion or persuasion. It's not so easy to love all of those who are around us. It's not easy. And yet I wonder how easy I am for God to love. Self-examination is a good thing, particularly if it leads us to change, repentance, renewal, being refined. And so as I look at myself, some of the things that over the years and in some of these cases I am still dealing with, such as my own selfishness, <laughs> 
because I'm thinking often about my needs, my wants. You may not see it, but I do. And I'm sure at times my family and my beloved Martha do. I'm independent. I know just enough also to think that I know it all. I also am wise enough, strong enough, experienced enough to think that I can handle it all on my own. Probably sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? But these are my words. Yeah, I don't think either I nor any of us here are easy for God to love. If we're basing it on our actions, and our thoughts. But God's love for us is not based upon what we do or what we have not done. It's not based on somehow we have pleased him. No, God loves us because we are his own children, whom he created to love and to be in relationship with him for all eternity, all of this life and all of the life that is to come. And so in spite of our failure to love him and others as we should, he still loves us. And yet isn't it a beautiful thing to think about God and the ways that he loves us and realize it's not just in words? <laughs> he doesn't just tell you, you know, I love you. And, and it's not just an emotion. But our God reveals to us his love in action. Listen again to verse 16 of our reading from 1 John. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. Laid down his life. Took my place, your place. Suffered on our behalf. Paid the price died, laid down his life. Ponder that for a moment. I think sometimes, far too often, we are just kind of you know, going on the surface. Yeah, isn't it great that, you know, God loves me and I'm a Christian, but do we really ponder the cost do we ponder the depth of his love? Do we ponder the incredible ways in which he has demonstrated that love to each and every one of us? You know, notice that there's no clause in here either that says, God loves you if. I really appreciate that. No contingency. God loves us even though Scripture talks about how we were enemies of God. I slow down intentionally to ask you for a moment just to ponder, you know, that he laid down his life for you, to ponder how much he loves you as individuals. I did it for this reason. 
Because when we do so, I believe we begin to become overwhelmed by love. My favorite um, movie producers for the last, oh, about almost 15 years have uh, been the uh, Kendrick brothers. Fireproof, War Room, probably many of you have seen them, if not, you should. But I go all the way back to some 15 years ago, one of their first couple of movies to the movie Facing the Giants. When I wrote down Overwhelmed by Love, I had this scene pop into my mind. It was of this high school football coach. His team is just failing miserably. He's failing at his job, and he's called by God to dedicate himself and his team to the Lord no matter what. God begins to change the lives of not only that coach, but his team and the community. People see what's happening, and, and at some point in the movie, the, some in the community are so touched, they see the old truck that often breaks down on the coach, and they sneak off, they buy a truck for him, they take away his old one. And he comes outside, and he's like, where's my truck? And there's this truck, and he puts his hands on his head, and he's like, God gave me a truck. Do you know sometimes in my own prayer life, I feel like that's exactly um, how I'm moved to respond. God, you still love me? In spite of? Overwhelmed by love. Overwhelmed and overflowing. And that is what is to happen when we personally have experienced Christ's love. When we know that we are his children. When we have received that gift of forgiveness and life that is everlasting. Listen from Romans 15. May God fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. overflow, when he wants to fill us up, that there's no space or there's no void where it leaves any doubt of anything other than we are valued, we are loved, we are his own people. But not only that, not only to fill us up, but that it would overflow from our lives, we just can't keep it in. Or from 1 Thessalonians, our reading, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. And I've come to appreciate that additional phrase because it would be very easy if it ended overflow for each other. And what we do is we limit it to the family of faith. We limit it to those who are in our church. We limit it to those who are like us. And I want you to hear the end of that sentence, that verse, where he says, and everyone else. Even those who are enemies. Even those who have very different ideas and beliefs than we do. We love them like Jesus. For the last several weeks, we have been exploring, again, Amazing Grace's new vision and mission. 
that have experienced Christ's love, live in it, and share it. And when the first week when we were looking at experience Christ's love, I opened up by saying, you've heard me say, it's not all about you. And then I said, but it is about you. It is that important reminder that, you know, it is also about us because we are also precious and valued in the eyes of the Lord. Today we get to this part of share it, in that it is that reminder that indeed it is not meant for us to keep to ourselves, it is meant for us to share. And all of this about sharing God's love, it's nothing new, it's not original, this isn't something we suddenly profoundly came up with, it's biblical. John 13, our reading, new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In about three weeks, I'll be leaving with the mission team of 11 that are headed to Costa Rica. One of the things that I've already begun to prepare them for is that our witness, our ministry, is not limited to the building of that home or, you know, the children's event, or the community event that we'll be doing in a couple of evenings, or, you know, the interaction we will be having with the workers who we work beside in building this home, or any of those official projects that we are taking on as part of this mission trip. It's how we will handle ourselves at the airport. It's how we will interact with the staff at the little local uh, hotel. It's how you know, we will walk down the street. It's how we will respond when uh, their time schedule doesn't align to our time schedule. Everything we do will be part of our witness. Everything. Our witness is in our actions. Jesus said in our reading, by this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. There is this uh, story of a man by the name of Dave Simmons who one day took his uh, daughter, Helen, who was eight years old, and his uh, five-year-old son, Brandon, uh, to the mall. And he was just going to stop by to run into Sears and buy uh, a new saw. And he said as they drove into the mall, there's this big sign that said, Petting Zoo open today. You remember those days when the malls used to have a, a fishing pond and every once in a while, you know, a petting zoo? Well, that's what this was. And, and the way that those worked is, you know, you would, you know, uh, let your children go in and enjoy that, you know, experience while the parents often would go off and shop. So when he got out of the car, the kids are just begging him, Dad, please, let us go pet the animals. So he got out of the car and he flipped them each a, a quarter, Apparently it was, must be a long time ago, but, you know, here you go, a quarter, go, go enjoy. I'm going to run and do shopping and I'll be back. He said as he's walking down the corridor of the mall towards Sears, suddenly he realizes that his little daughter Helen is now beside him. And he's like, Helen, what's going on? And he discovered that 
Well, the cost of the petting zoo had gone up to 50 cents. Helen gave her quarter to her brother, Brandon, who was five, even though this was her favorite thing. She loved little animals. She loved those little furry animals and being able to cuddle with them and pet them. But she looked at her dad and she said, well, dad, I gave him my quarter. Because you know our, our family motto, daddy, love is an action. The dad said he couldn't have heard any more beautiful words out of the mouth of his little girl, Helen. Now, you would think that um, the dad's response would have been just reach in his pocket and pull out another 50 cents, right? But he said no. And Helen didn't ask for 50 cents either. Because you see, love is an action was not the whole family motto that he and his wife would regularly say to each other and say in their household for their children to experience and to see. But the whole motto was love is sacrificial action. Love pays a price. When you love, benefits seem to accrue in another's account. Love gives, it doesn't grab. And so Helen gave her quarter to Brandon. And she wanted to follow through with her lesson. She wanted to experience that total family motto, love is a sacrificial action. And how about you? You and I have experienced Christ's love again. Today we are experiencing it as he comes to us, reminding us of our baptism, and that he's claimed us as his own and washes away our sin. As we come to the table and again receive the gift of his sacrifice, his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. As he again speaks to us through his word and spirit. Love is an action. Love, my friends, is what sets Christ and we who are his followers apart from the world. Listen again to our reading from 1 John. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Many who live around you and me want absolutely nothing to do with the church or those who are Christians. And I think to some extent this gets at the heart of why. Because all they've heard is the words. But they've not seen the action. They've not experienced the love that you and I know and we've experienced. You know, Jesus doesn't ask anything of me and he doesn't ask anything of you that he wasn't willing to do himself. We talk about loving our neighbors, those in need. We talk about loving those who are different than us. We talk about even loving our enemies. Well, that's what Jesus did. He went to the hurting, the sick. He went to the sinners and the despised, the condemned, and he loved them. 
And so we, my friends, we are called to go. And not to say anything more than to what you have experienced, because God is ready to offer it to them as well. You know, there's not anything this week we will do, I pray, and if we discover it, I pray we stop it. But there is not anything we do this week as a church that I pray does not convey the love of Jesus Christ. In our early learning center, those almost 50 children in there who will walk through those doors every day and their parents and grandparents who bring them here, why do we have that center? You know what? It's not to educate them. I mean, that's part of it. The motivating factor behind is that they would experience Christ's love. The little girl who was here uh, last Sunday at late service with her grandparents, she had never worshipped here before, but she goes to our early learning center. You know what she told her grandparents, this little two-year-old? I want to go to my church. Why do we have youth ministry? Why are we going to Costa Rica? Why do we go into Wildwood Public Schools? Why are we having even Aaron Abu here in a concert this week? Every one of those is a vehicle and a means for us to share the word, whether in actuality or in song or in whatever action we do, to convey the love of Jesus Christ, to share it with each other and with this community and with the world. It's what we are called to do, to share Christ's love. My dear friends in Christ, this isn't just some statement that we as a church came up with. This isn't just some motto that's going to be on the wall. This is what God is seeking to engrave on our hearts and in our lives, that it may overflow from us and that many more might come to experience Christ's love, celebrate it, and then join in sharing it. May the Lord himself and his spirit continue to fill you and empower you and me that we might truly live as these people, people of love. Amen. And now may